1: Thank you for
0: having me, Joe. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Poznansky and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. It is the Draft Podcast. It's been
1: a little while since we've done uh, it has. Around. What was the last one? What was the last one we did? I don't even remember now. I, I mean, I don't. Know. I don't remember any of them. I don't so, remember. I don't
0: we've done five hundred and ninety-six thousand of these. So, <laughs> so it's difficult at this point uh, for any of them to have stood out. Um, but we are doing our draft, and this is going to be a very special draft in the sense of we decided to do this just as I was taking my mother out for for Mother's Day. Right. And, uh, so I, I don't, I, I've, I've done no research. I mean, I don't mean research. Like normally I'll write down a couple of ideas. I've done none. So I am, I will be doing this on the fly completely and utterly on the fly. Which right. Is, it, will that make it any better or worse? No, it will be exactly the same that it's always been. But befo- before we do the draft, um, I do want to bring up one name, uh, was going to bring it up in, in the mothership podcast where we answered a bunch of questions uh, but I'm. But we didn't have a chance. So Carlos Alcaraz won in Madrid. He's a 19-year-old tennis player who became the first tennis player in, in history to beat uh, Rafael Nadal and uh, Novak Djokovic on back-to-back days on clay court. Uh, he was the first person to ever do that. He did that. And then he beat uh, Alexander Sverev. He just destroyed him. And I just want to say, you know, I, I'm a big tennis fan. You are a moderate tennis fan uh that we are looking at the next great one that that this is like there have been quite a few really good players that have come along over the last uh 18 years. I'm writing about this on my on my uh Substack. Uh well we've seen a bunch of good players come along. Some that you're like, yeah, that person has a chance to be very good. But this guy is like he is a terminator sent from the future. He is he is like the most complete, I mean, he's 19 years old. He's definitely the most complete 19-year-old tennis player ever, including Nadal. No, nobody's ever, he, there, there is literally nothing he can't do on a tennis court. Uh, he is a great forehand. He is a great backhand. He's a great serve. He's great at the net. He's a great, his drop shots are incredible. His lobs are incredible. Um, This guy is going to, like, we have just watched the greatest era of tennis in history, and this guy might come along and be the best player
1: who ever lived. Um, two things to say about this gentleman who I literally learned about three days ago. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> number one, he's five years older than my son.
0: <laughs> it's it's <laughs> absurd. He's two years older than my younger daughter. He's, o- he's younger than my older daughter.
1: Yeah. And the second thing is I'm looking at a picture of him right now on tennisnet.com. Yes. Uh, and he's about to hit a two-handed backhand in the picture. And his arm is like a cartoon drawing. If you said to a to an animator, draw like a funny, muscular arm. (laughs) Like do like take the concept of muscular arm and do like the funny goofy version of what it would look like. That's what his right arm actually looks like. He has he has muscles in uh, he has an enormous muscle covering his elbow like i don't think you're supposed to have a muscle there and there's an enormous muscle right over his elbow and then his tricep definition it looks like there's probably an eight inch drop from the height of the muscle to the base of the muscle yeah and then his shoulder is striated in like a hundred places like it's like the like it's like um when you go to like that museum exhibit that went around the world that was like here's the human form, but it was like there was no skin on the bodies yeah, right, and so right. you could see it was it looks like that except there's also skin over it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's an absolute absurdity. I mean I've watched so fun to watch. I watched him play Nadal. Here's the thing if you watch Nadal, even now Nadal and Djokovic uh are so much better. Than everybody else in the world. You yeah. know, they, they they can beat them. It's not like those guys are unbeatable anymore. They can still lose to any of those guys. But they're so much better. They only can beat them because whatever. They the dog gets tired, or they, you know, they they, they you know, Djokovic goes through a stretch of time where he, he has 18 break points and doesn't get any of them, or something like that. But you watch this kid, he's 19 years old playing those two guys. And you're going, oh, he's better than them. He's better than Rafael Nadal right now at yeah. 19. He's That's his hero. Nadal is his absolute hero. And like he's like, yeah, he hits the ball harder than him and can run down more balls than him. I mean, so he's better than him. And then you watch him play Djokovic, and it's the same thing. It's like they their games mirror each other. They both have... Four forehand, big forehands and and two-handed backhands, and they can run like crazy, and they hit, love hitting drop shots. And it's like, oh, but his drop shots are better than Nadal than Djokovic, and he runs, he's faster than Djokovic. It's it really is kind of mind-boggling, and uh, and I just wanted to say that because uh, I think uh, I I was worried what the next generation. I wasn't worried, but I was wondering what the next generation of tennis was going to look like after these guys are finally. Not the best in the world anymore, and it's like, oh, are we going to be watching like that stretch of time in golf after Tiger, where it was like, who cares? You know, like every week a different guy would win. I don't think so. I think this guy's just going to step in and go like, yeah, no, I'm actually the best in the history of tennis. I it's it really is fun to watch.
1: I am now looking at another photo of Carlos <laughs> Alcaraz, and he's his arms are. Spread to the side, his racket is in his right hand and his left hand is in a fist. He's celebrating a win. Yeah. And down the right, so, so you're looking right at him, down the right bicep is a vein <laughs> that l- appears to be between seven and nine inches in diameter. Yeah, that's right. And that is squiggling down the length of his bicep like it looks like the Mississippi River. <laughs> <laughs> is what is what's running I, I think down his arm. I'm looking
0: at that same photo and it honestly looks like because his left arm is only regular super muscular but the right arm you're looking at it and it's like is he turning into the incredible hulk like right yeah. now like is he in the midst of the doing that in, in the process right now? what it
1: what it what appears to be the situation based on this photo is that he turned into the incredible hulk and his, like, clothes all ripped off, right? And and he, like, grew to the Incredible Hulk size. But then he did it a second time where he burst out of the Hulk size that he is. And his skin is what ripped off and was replaced by other skin. And now you're seeing, like, this is his – he's the Hulk Hulk. That should be his nickname. He's the, he's the Incredible, Incredible Hulk. He's
0: the Incredible, Incredible Hulk. Yes. Yeah. I love it. All right. Time for our draft. Uh, we are drafting um, – Worst moments in sports, and that is not just I'm not explaining that right. Worst moments, to, I guess, to be a fan, but not like specific moments. We're not talking about like specifically the drive against the Browns or anything right. like that. We're talking about just general moments that it stinks to be a fan.
1: I, the, the The worst commonly occurring things that can befall you. So we're not talking about... If you're a if you were a Yankee fan in the 1930s, having your Hall of Fame first baseman contracted debilitating right. disease, we're talking right. about right. common things that occur. That when they occur a, against your team, are the are the biggest bummers, right?
0: And and they have to be common because that's part of the feeling has to be. Surprise is not a part of this of this feeling. Like like right. something you could say like. Like the like in the nineteen eighties, the, the Royals once had a game where they were it was the ninth inning and uh they were I think it was tied. They were trying to get out of the inning, and then a guy got a base hit up the middle, and it literally went into this giant flock of birds. And right. the birds went flying everywhere and the ball got through because of that. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about something you're like, oh well that's the worst way you can lose. We're talking about stuff that is that happens Fairly often in sports, but it's the worst feeling as a fan. Right. All right. Why don't you start? Because this is inspired by the fact that you are a Boston sports fan,
1: Correct. and for
0: the first time in like fifteen years, you are
1: suffering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's my old friend. My old friend, uh, suffering, is back. Yes. Uh, it's been a long time. Um, okay. I'm going to. My number one pick is the blown ninth inning lead. Yeah. Um, now, th- there's a difference here between a walk-off and a blown ninth-inning lead because a walk-off can happen when the game is tied, so you, right. which is what just happened to the Texas Rangers, right? It's one-to-one. You go to the bottom of the ninth, and the other team scores a run, and you lose. That's obviously terrible, and, and that stinks, but you were already going into that inning thinking, like, oh, boy, yes. like no margin for error, as opposed to you're up two-to-one. Yes, and then the other team hits a two run homer or gets a two run double or whatever, and I think that with the 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 nature of baseball is like it's this incredibly slow deliberate brick by brick construction of what you hope is a victory, and if you get all the way to the end and you have probably your best relief pitcher in the game, your expectation to win is enormous. you really Very are high. like this this the the part of what has to be factored into this draft is how heartbreaking it is what's the expected win percentage That's versus right. whatever and so if you go if you are um uh, up two to one or three to one or five to one god you know the Phillies' other night blew a seven to one lead in the ninth <laughs> against the mets
0: poor poor ellen I that, mean, ellen yeah. i don't know how she even comes back from that
1: i don't know it's uh, uh we didn't even in the last podcast didn't even talk about the mets which is like a whole i oh, i yeah. i'm I'm not. Uh, I'm not sold. We'll see. It's a long season, and there's some flaws <laughs> on that team. But I'm kind
0: of sold. I mean, that eventually that team gets uh, gets another pitcher back who's uh, who's pretty good.
1: Good point. <clears throat> they're. And, I,
0: I think they're the best in that division.
1: And their owner is an insane. Uh, oh yeah, troll, yeah. trolling billionaire <laughs> who just wants to spend everybody in who's, oblivion. So who's
0: literally the worst person in the world that you definitely want as your owner?
1: That's right, right. Right. I mean, there are there are. I'm sure right now the 10 and 19 Boston <laughs> Red Sox who have Xander Bogarts um, uh, and a bunch of other JD Martinez, a bunch of other guys who are coming to the end of their deals. I'm sure that they're salivating at the thought that Steve Cohen is out oh, yeah. somewhere with this checkbook <laughs> at this trade deadline, willing to uh, perhaps give up some uh, assets. In any case, the blown ninth inning lead is I think the, just the saddest feeling because you then, the whole rest of the day and all next day, you're just like, God, we we were so close, yes. right? We were yes. so, we had that, we had it, we did everything we needed to do. And then at the very last second, we tripped right before the finish line. That's such a sad feeling.
0: You know, it's interesting. I've I've had numerous conversations with different people around baseball, executives, because it seems to me, you know that executives have talked about this, that there are certain losses that are worth more than losses, right that that a blown ninth inning uh game like has a, a very negative impact on the team that right. goes beyond that day. And th- there it's a big disagreement whether that's true or not because you and I both know players uh, respond differently than fans do. like yes. like for for fans, low ninth inning lead is like ruins your night and for players eh, maybe it maybe some players it ruins their night maybe some players are like okay let's go get some steak I don't think I don't know that it really has that same impact but I do wonder about that I do wonder because that feeling of being the better team for eight and a half innings and then blowing in the ninth that does feel like it leaves a mark to me. Yeah,
1: I, again, I think that, you know, the th- I, I, I can't remember whether I had this conversation with you on this podcast or with someone else somewhere else. But, um, you know, you watch playoff basketball. Yeah. And there's, a, you know, it's game five, and the series is tied 2-2. And it's a two-point lead with 43 seconds left and you look at the guys on the court and they're just kind of walking around yep <laughs> they're just playing basketball and whatever and or or you see a team uh go down you know it's 38 to 14 uh in the in the first quarter you know the one team can't hit anything and the other team is just drilling threes and you look at the teams and they're just kind of milling around <laughs> playing basketball and this this thought this very boring but kind of revelatory thought occurred to me a number of years ago which is that by the time these guys get to where they have to where you're watching them on television they have been through 700 of oh, every yeah. kind of game oh, yeah. they have they have been the team that scored 38 in the first and only gave up 14 and then they've won a bunch of those games and they've also lost a bunch of those games yeah. they have been in 65 games with, that were tied with three seconds left where they hit a game winning shot or the other team handed a game winning <laughs> shot you there's nothing that can happen that surprises them or that right. they're unfamiliar with or whatever and so you as a fan like i as a red sox fan right now i'm watching these games and they go down three to nothing in the fifth inning to the white sox and you're like no it's happening again like they have to you're like losing your mind <laughs> And you look at like, you know, there's like a grounder to Trevor's story and he picks up the ball and throws out the guy <laughs> first and then he signals the others yeah, one out. They're so bored by this. They're so bored by all of the scenarios yeah. that we as fans live and die because of. And so I don't know. It's, it's possible that like it, they take it a little harder, but even if they're taking it harder than they do some other loss, they're not taking it to the same, uh, hard to the same degree that you as a fan are. They're just like, not. They can't be.
0: No, the feeling has to be so, so different. I'll go to my, my first pick, which is the final drive defeat in, in, in the NFL, which is just, and every single element of that. Like when you kick off with a minute and 10 seconds left, up by two. Yeah, and you kn- you kind of know where it's going, right? I mean, like you kind of know that that chances are they're going to drive down and kick a field goal and beat you. Um, you just kind of have that feeling, and and then there are so many little individual agonies along the way, but whatever you're feeling as a player, as a fan, in that moment, so you kick it off. They get the ball at the twenty-five yard line, whatever you know. Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback, whatever emotions you're feeling have nothing to do with the emotions Patrick Mahomes is feeling have nothing to do with the emotions that Aaron Donald is feeling have nothing to do. Like they're going, Oh, we're playing football. Okay. And these are the plays. This is what we have to try to do. This is it. They are so locked into the moment that you're just like, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm panicking. Or you're on the other side going, come on, come on. You can do it. You can do it. But, they're not thinking any of that. None no, of, they're not. And and it's so difficult. That's why you were saying it's kind of a boring but revelatory thought, because it's true. It's so difficult as a fan to realize that every single thing
1: you're feeling, you're feeling. They're not feeling any of it. They're right.
0: a little bit of it.
1: They're, they are they have a steely-eyed fighter jet in combat. That's right. Kind of focus and awareness of like, I have, and mixed with, I have done this so many times. <laughs> yes. So many times, it's so and boring. I'm
0: tired, and I'm like, oh God, so much to do, and I'm I'm in pain, and, and you know, none none of those like, oh my gosh, you got to do this, you got to, you know, none of that's going on. They're just like, give me the play, let's just go, let's just do this, and, and we'll try to stop them, and if we do, great, and if we don't yeah all right next week we'll play again i mean you know it's and and it's it's actually good because honestly what would it be like if they really were feeling our emotions i mean it It, would be well
1: it would be very bad it it would be be very bad because it's yeah they wouldn't be playing well if they were they were yeah there's it's in uh there's a thing in the in um uh what's the i can't remember the name of the movie the fallon jimmy fallon movie about the red sox oh yeah yeah Uh, uh
0: the one based on
1: the uh, the uh, based Bieber on pitch. the Nick Fifer pitch, based on the, the Nick Hornby Bieber's book, book yeah. I um, where they they're you know the Red Sox lose game three to the Yankees and they go out, did the fans go out to eat and they see like Jason Veritek and a bunch of the guys like having dinner right. in the restaurant and they get angry that they're not more upset and then they have this exact discussion where they're like, no, they shouldn't because yeah. we're the <laughs> we're the weird ones, like they we're we're the idiots who who. Um, Who cared this much? Like, yeah. they shouldn't care this much. It's not fair to ask them to care this much, you know? No, no, um,
0: absolutely. Anyway.
1: All right, my my uh, my number two pick is going to be when your team scores a touchdown in the NFL and it's called back for a penalty.
0: Oh, the worst.
1: Yeah. And, what about and replay
0: it, callback? Does, they, they, does that incorporate replay calling it back?
1: I hadn't thought about replay. All right. Well, I'll that, take that's replay. a that's I'll, a different I'll, I'll, feeling. Yeah, all right, god, I'll this is replay. when like you know your 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 quarterback throws like a twenty three yard swing pass for a touch that go, that where the guy breaks like two tackles and he gets in and you're like oh my god yay and then you see a flag <laughs> and you know exactly what it is and it's like. And and it, it, what's frustrating about that double e to me is that as we have said many times before, there is holding on every play. Every there's play. pass interference on every play. There's hands to the face on every play. There's there's like a chop block on like forty percent <laughs> of the plays. Like, and so it's just like, did it get called this time or not? It feels like a real coin flip, one way or the other. And and to me, it's actually more frustrating than when the other team scores a touchdown and a penalty wasn't called it's that's also frustrating but because there are so many plays where penalties are not called somehow it's less frustrating than when your team does something good and then you don't and then it gets called back because it's like because the extra little thing that happens there is the scoreboard on screen changes yes and then you see the flag and the ref says what the flag is and then it changes back like that's the little extra spicy bit of annoyance that comes with that particular play yeah well when you see
0: a kick return for a touchdown which almost never happens anymore but when you see one or a punt return for a touchdown and they cross the end zone what is your absolute first thought oh that's not counting There's no way that's coming back. back. You know it is. You really need like Kevin Harlan to scream. No, there are no flags on the play. Yeah, and it's shocking when they do. You're like, I can't believe it. Like that's they. I mean, you know that on that particular play, there were at least twelve blocks in the back and fourteen holds. And there's it's always the case. So well, all right. Feeding off of that, I am going to take the replay one because there's a there's a specific frustration that comes with a replay callback that drives me absolutely bonkers. And it's so sad. And that is when they show the the touchdown happens and you go crazy and you're like, Hey, they scored. It's touchdown. It's awesome. And then they're like, all right, let's okay. Wait, wait, this, you know, this is under review and they show the replay and you realize before anything happens, Oh yeah, that's coming back. Yeah, like that that those like between the time you see the replay and go, oh yeah, that's not going to count, and the time that it actually doesn't count is like forty five seconds or sixty seconds or two minutes of absolute awfulness. It's just, it's yeah, like, just
1: come on, just put me out of my misery. Put just, me out of my just, misery. I know, I know, he stepped out of bounds. <laughs> I know that he didn't get both of his feet down. Just, just come on, just and come it, on,
0: just stop. Yeah. What I why and they and during that time the score is still like it's still up they'll still put that up on the scoreboard so you're yeah. still looking at it you're like yeah that 6 point lead is not lasting like you know it's it just 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 do it call it and that and that leads to all other thing which is why are we so much faster at these things than those guys are like why
1: well this is there's no place in the world where this is a bigger problem than uh, than in baseball, I think because yes. now because baseball has gotten on board with replay, and but it takes so long in baseball for them these oh. the umpires to walk and huddle and then they, <laughs> and, and now they, go they have in. to announce it what's what they're actually talking about and, which is so and weird. in the in that time you have seen seven eight <laughs> angles of the thing and you know that the guy's foot came off the bag or that right. he beat right or whatever like you know. It just takes so long. Like in yes. football, there are still moments where it's it's very hard to tell. Like you yes, can't that's see, true. like because the, the the camera angles were blocked or like it's a little unclear or whatever. But in baseball, it's like oh god, it's just interminable. It's really rough. <laughs> it's really rough. Really um, rough. All right, I'll go with the I'll go with the buzzer beater to beat you in basketball. Yeah. Um, again, worse. You are you have to be up one or up two and with, you know, three seconds left. And then there's the inbounds play or whatever it is. It is truly just devastating because basketball shots are hang in the air for a really long time. And so you have this good, like two or three seconds where you're like, miss, 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 (laughs) miss. And then it, and then it goes through. And as it's going through the net, the 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 buzzer sounds and right. you know that there's no there's or or the buzzer sounds when the ball's in the air yeah which, so which which means you know like there's this is it it's over whatever happens here it's over and the the like cloud that hangs over your head Ugh. after one of those is so rough um, there's another one that's maybe that I'll maybe I'll choose later that happened to the Celtics the other night in Game Three against uh, Milwaukee which is your buzzer beater. Is too late. That's a, that's a, that's another. It's it's less common, I think. Yeah, that's less common. But it's also like, oh no! Like he did the amazing thing. <laughs> he just did it a tenth of a second too late for it to count, and and that's also painful. But the losing on a Luka Doncic has beaten the Celtics by my count. 15 times 15 in the last right. three years with buzzer yeah. beaters. And, uh, and it every, it's like when the ball leaves his hand, you're like, the game's over. They yeah. won. like, yeah. I, it makes me want to turn off the, turn off the TV when the ball is in midair. It's so
0: frustrating. And you know, when you're watching it on TV, you really can't tell with the ball in the air, what's going to happen. No. Like I was there at the, uh, at the Duke game uh, when they were playing Butler when, when the guy from Butler almost made the half court shot. So yeah. I was standing there. I watched that ball. I could see it. It was totally online. Like I like while the ball was in the air, it's like, oh, that's that's got a shot to go in. Yeah. And then of course they hit off the back and just missed. But it was like, Oh, I could see it. But in in basketball, what drives me crazy is on television, with the ball in the air, it might be a brick off the backboard that doesn't even hit the rim, or it might be a swish, and there's no way to know. There's no way to know. No way to know. So you're you are truly watching a, a coin flip in air, just going. I it might land either way. I have no earthly idea.
1: There are certain angles, certain TV angles, and certain shots that if a yeah, guy yeah we have a if, better view where yeah. where a guy there are, there are threes where a guy takes a three and you immediately yeah. are like yes. that's off. Right, but generally speaking, and this is true of most basketball shots. There's nothing more surprising and, frankly, kind of wonderful than when an NBA player uh, shoots an air ball that just harmlessly (laughs) bounces out of bounds, because it makes you feel like they're there's like they're human beings, which which they often don't appear to be. Right. And when one of them shoots an air ball and it and it just like misses everything and just bounces and then lands in the crowd. I I kind of love it. It's like oh, thank God! Like they're not they're not perfect, you know. Um, but you're right that when the ball is in the air, it's it's very hard to tell from most angles whether it's a swish, a right. brick, or an air ball, and right. you, and you just don't you just can't tell. You just can't tell, especially when they have that
0: sort of wide angle, which is where most of it comes from. All right, with my third pick, I'm not a particularly big hockey fan. Uh, I wish I was. I wish I cared more about it. I wish I knew more about it. It just didn't grow up with it. That said, I have watched overtime playoff hockey uh, where I've been, I wouldn't say super invested, but reasonably invested i've I've picked a team that I like and and uh and I'm watching it. And I gotta tell you, I literally have no earthly idea how sports fans who are true, crazy hockey fans survive overtime hockey. I just, I don't, I don't know how they survive it. And then I cannot imagine there being a worse feeling than losing on that goal that goes in, especially because in hockey, you know, in soccer, a lot of times in soccer, the goals are very, you know, there's a penalty in, you know, there's a penalty shot. Or it's some, but in hockey, I mean, in soccer, beyond those, there are beautiful goals. Like lots of times where somebody will just absolutely make a perfect pass or it'll be a perfect thing. In hockey, I'd say 96% of goals are just like things that bounce off a skate or, or just, or, you know, somebody just flings it in there and somehow it's in front of the net and somebody pokes at it. There are very rarely like, it's like, The old NHL '94, you know, Sega game where you could make three beautiful passes and then beat the goalie. Like that doesn't that doesn't happen. Their defenses are too good. So the chances of you losing an overtime game on some ridiculous thing in front of the net where the puck takes a weird bounce, it's like very high. And I just don't know how you survive that.
1: I watched. So you're so basically your pick is losing in overtime hockey. Losing in overtime yeah. hockey. Again. I watched my first playoff hockey of the year today. The Bruins, uh, Carolina Hurricanes. The Hurricanes won the first two games easily, and the Bruins yes. just came back and tied it at two two. And uh, I and I had the feeling while I was watching, which is a feeling I often have when I watch hockey, which is wh- how what is this game? <laughs> what are the, what are they doing? You can't even see where the puck is. How do you that like? You know, you're not allowed to be in the crease, but there's like eight guys right around the goalie. <laughs> right. Howard, how do you how is the goalie seeing this? The puck is very small. It's moving very quickly. Like wh- uh, what are we doing? I, it just it feels like an impossible sport. I don't yeah. know how to, I don't know how, and, and also like these guys come out, you know, a line will come out and they'll skate around at top speed and they're so exhausted in the first like 11 seconds that they immediately (laughs) have to skate off the ice and let other people come in (laughs) just how 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 does that sport still exist it is absolutely (laughs) bananas that, that, that 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 hockey is allowed to happen
0: it's such an incredibly weird thing and that's why very few people impress me as much as hockey announcers like the really really good ones like the great ones what how are you seeing this you know they're like they know like which shots have a real chance of scoring to me it would always be i'd be calling it and i'd be like oh the in, oh goal like i literally yeah. the, the the puck would be in the net for 15 seconds before i'd be like oh i guess that's a goal i guess they scored okay and that'd be yeah. it yeah. yeah it's it's a bit it's a banana sport but wow the tension in, in overtime is like, because it's constant. It's somebody is always like one lucky bounce away from winning. So you have like 15 minutes. If you, if it goes that long of sheer terror the entire time.
1: Yeah. Yes. Terrifying. It's a terrifying, it's terrifying, a terrifying sport. sport. Yeah. All right. My fourth pick, uh, I am going to go with the long home run. Just foul. Oh, it's no, no explanation necessary. It's like the ball leaves the bat and you are like, that's gone. If it stays fair. And then at the last second it's foul. And then they show the replay where you're tracking the flight of the ball and you see that the ball does not in fact disappear (laughs) behind the foul pole, but rather stays in front of the foul pole. And it's just the most deflating thing in the world. Like
0: it's so Oh, it's terrible. It's just terrible. Now, here's the thing. Do you like, like, there are different kinds of foul ball uh, home runs, right? Like, there's the kind that off the bat look great, but then they get, they're pretty quickly foul. Yeah. Like, you can see, like, and then there are ones that are, like, even when they show it on replay, you're like, I have maybe was that like that kind of still looks like a home run like it curves just in front so you're talking about that one you're not talking about the one that's like oh my gosh that he hit that ball 800 feet and it's a foul ball you're talking about the ones that are just barely foul
1: just barely foul. Uh, absolutely just barely curves at the. you know miss, misses misses being a home run by a foot because um, it's just slicing or or hooking and uh, and it foul. It's it's a, run, it's a home run. It's a home run. It's a home run. It's a home run at the last second. It's not. It's all foul. Run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nothing better than that feeling when it's the other team, though.
1: Oh, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> true. But when it's your team, it's just so sad. It's
0: so sad. It's so sad. All right. Well, I'll stick with baseball for my fourth one. Uh, yeah. Watching the no hitter get busted is is a.
1: Brutal uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a brutal, brutal feeling. Here's the thing. Now, especially because they're they're not going to happen anymore, which leads me to a good question for you. I wrote about this. Um, do you care at all about the team no hitter? I mean, no. like the Mets had one the the five pitcher uh, yeah. no hitter. Who cares? I mean, I feel bad, but like it's not like oh well. That's just you know I care about a twenty percent as much as I care about a real no hitter. No, I care about it 0%. And and here's why. Here's my thinking. You can give me yours. If, I, if you send a reliever in the game, like a fresh reliever who throws 100 miles an hour, I fully expect them to go an inning without giving up a hit. Like there's nothing right. special about that. There's nothing that feels out of the ordinary about that. So, yeah, I mean, it's out of the ordinary for a starter to go six innings without giving up a hit. But even that's not that special. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool. I'm not getting excited about it until the seventh or eighth, at least. But it's like, all right, it's kind of cool. And then it's like, oh, well, they'll probably throw a no hitter now. They've got three. I mean, this guy made it six innings. All they got to do is get through three innings. They probably have relievers good enough to get three innings of no hit ball. I just don't care at all. I mean, which is really uh, sad. I don't,
1: right I don't care about it zero, I care about it 5%, okay. maybe. Okay. as much i don't know but i i definitely don't care about it like i yeah. i I, yeah. I feel nothing when it happens right like I, i'm like oh that's a mild curiosity i feel about it the way that you feel about like seeing like a uh like a, a rare animal at a zoo yeah. like you're already at the <laughs> zoo and you're like oh i've never seen a tapir before that's <laughs> mildly inter- and you look at it for like eight seconds to re- try to remember what a tapir looks like and then yeah. you move on like i so it's not zero but it's definitely yeah. low. it's definitely Very low, low the, yeah. and
0: it's so sad because a no hitter like a real legitimate no hitter one of the great thrills of the sport yeah
1: yes absolutely. truly one of
0: the great thrills of the sport
1: yeah um all right with my last pick i'm gonna go um I'm going to go into like a little more rare territory here. Okay. All right. um, I know these are supposed to be common, but I think we've covered most of the common ones.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'll go with the Hail Mary against you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, it's it's fairly uncommon. Yeah. Right? It, it, it's, it doesn't count as – a. it's way less common Unless by a a a is thousand. Forward, well, that's the thing. <laughs> like if there are certain people who appear to have somehow developed a skill for it. But, but when it does happen, it is just absolutely the most Crush. brutal, yeah. brutal feeling. Uh, yeah. The the Patriots in the last year, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. They had that game in Miami where it wasn't a hail mary, but it was one of the it was like the Music City Miracle type play where you know it was lateral lateral or whatever. Right. And they they had put Gronk in the game, member, and he, they put him back as like a as like a, a, a defensive outfielder, and. He was so beaten up at that point he couldn't chase the guy down. The guy just ran right past him, and it, it the funniest thing about it was to that point, it was probably like the greatest thing that had happened to the Dolphins in like <laughs> twenty five years. Right, and yet uh, uh, the the Patriots still still ended up getting home field throughout the playoffs and then won the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> it ended up not mattering, but that that feeling of like I, I remember I wasn't watching the game. I don't, I was probably at one of my son's uh, baseball game or something. And I checked the score and the Patriots are up by five or six or maybe four. I don't remember um, with, you know, eight seconds left. And the Dolphins were at their own 27. And I turned my phone off because I was like, the game's over. And then got home. And it's like a wait. it's like a waking nightmare when, yeah. when that, when that happens, if you haven't, if you're watching it, obviously it's terrible, but if you have stopped watching it, and then you look back to see what happened. It's you. You just can't believe it. Like you're uh, the chances of winning the game at that point are ninety nine point nine 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 percent. It's probably one yeah. in ten thousand
0: oh, or yeah. something,
1: right? So the, it's rarer, but the effect it has is so much deeper and, oh, and yeah. more lasting and awful, especially in a sport where there's only sixteen games. And that game could have been. It didn't end up being this, but it could have been a situation where that knocked them out of home field advantage, and then they had to go on the road in the playoffs, and then they lost on the road because they would have won if they were at home and all that stuff. So it really has an outsized effect when that happens to you. Well,
0: it's such an outsized effect that I can tell you precisely where I was in 1980 when the Cleveland Browns, in their penultimate game of that year, they were trying to win the division. They were 10-4? and No, they were, yeah, they were 10 and four going into the game. They only had to win the game to win the division. This was the cardiac kid Browns of, uh, Brian Sype and so on. And they were beating the Vikings. And on the very last play of the game, Tommy Kramer threw a hail Mary to Ahmad Rashad, uh, that I still see in my nightmares still to this day, <laughs> the Browns ended up winning the division the next week. They beat the Bengals. And then that's when they lost the red, right? 88 game to the Raiders, but, I still see that. That game had no impact whatsoever right. on that season. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. There is that is it's it's too rare to have been number one on our list, but that is the worst feeling. The yeah. worst feeling is losing a Hail Mary in yeah. football. Because yeah. you have no there's no sport where you have as much invested into the game because the season is so short and and yet no feeling of well, this game was over and we won. And now it's not over, and we lost. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's just yeah. No, I, I I got that. I got that. All right, my fifth pick. I'm a little surprised you didn't go with something soccer. Um,
1: I almost went with Miss PK. I don't know if that's what you're going with.
0: I I the, I was thinking about the Miss PK. Here's the thing that I find would find the most frustrating. I, again, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I, I care enough about it that I I you know have watched it. To me, like. Like I really liked, before they let go the, the the manager, I really liked uh, Burnley uh, because I spent some wonderful time in Burnley uh, talking to the team and the players and the coach, and and it was really fun. And so I like them. They had a game, I don't even remember, this is probably several years ago, where they were beating somebody of substantial, it wasn't Chelsea, but it was somebody, it was one of the good ones, right? It was one of the sure. top. Tottenham right it was Tottenham or Arsenal or, or or Manchester City or United it was somebody good they were winning 1-0 and and which was stunning in and of itself and very very late in the game they the other team scored and it ended a tie yeah and i i don't know that feels to me like in some ways that would be worse than losing not here's what I, here's what I would say. That feeling would be worse than if you were tied with them and then they scored and, and you lost Yeah, like that feeling would stink, but having the win and then having it taken away and not only taken away, but taken away where it's like, yeah, no, you, it's a tie. Like there, there's nothing, this game might as well not have been played. Essentially in my view, I know that's not the way a lot of people look at draws uh, there, but that's how I view it. It's like, oh yeah, no, you know what? I, I know you were winning for eighty-six minutes or whatever, but uh, no, this game doesn't even count. Well, like that—that
1: that stinks. The 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 drop that you're talking about is from three points to one point. To one point, yeah. And if you're tied and you lose, it's only a one point. It's one a two point, point drop right. with the That's tie at right. one point, which I've always felt like is it is worse. Yeah. To be winning and then tie than it is. I know that you want you need points and every point counts, but it does. The feeling is worse. The feeling yeah. of counting on three and getting one is worse, far worse than the feeling yeah. of of you have one and then you end up with zero. Like it. Yeah. I, I I know that. The, I know that. Like you know. Look, Man, Man City, uh Liverpool tied Tottenham the other night, and they they dropped two points, and that is a real. Blow to their hopes to win the Premier League. Yeah, Man- City came out and just destroyed Newcastle today, five to nothing. And they're they're now they need two wins and a tie in their last three games. They o- they only really have one tough game left, which is at West Ham. Which even that, I don't think they know, should win that. Yeah. They should they should at least tie that, and they should easily win their other two, which means they're probably going to win the title. And that's a bummer because Liverpool was going for this unprecedented potential quad of winning the Premier League, the FA Cup the Carabao Cup, and the Champions League. And they're in the FA Cup final then the Champions League final. And they're probably not going to win the Premier League, which is insane because they're going to end up with like 90 <laughs> points. And, there's, and they're going to lose to City again by like one point probably. Yeah. But regardless, every point counts. These things are, are incredibly important, especially at the upper end of the EPL. And if you, get, if you lose one point, that can be enormous. That can be the difference. However, on an individual game basis, if you were counting on three points and end up with one, it right. feels worse than if you were counting on one and end up with well, zero.
0: Especially if you're a team like Burnley, where winning that game is like literally the highlight of your entire season, right? You're not, right. you're not counting on points unless you're trying to avoid being relegated. It, it, the points aren't really that important to you, uh, but with the difference between zero and one is probably not going to save you or do anything for you. But that moment, there's really no moment like that in American sports where it's like okay you're winning and this is this is this is the one th- I guess it would be that way in foot in college football maybe like if you were Vanderbilt and you were like winning against Alabama and and it would be it would not only you know if, no matter what your record is It'd be something you're a as a Vanderbilt fan you talk about for the next twenty years. Yeah, you beat Alabama or whatever, right?
1: And and at the end of the year, it's like, yeah, look, we were five and six, but we beat Alabama or right. whatever. Right. Like that, right. You have that thing. You have that like that trophy on yeah. your on your wall forever of like, yeah, we didn't have a great year. I mean, you know, in in there is there are some years where Michigan has been yeah. like a 500 team, but if they beat Ohio state, it doesn't matter. Like, right. that's like right. that's right. the, yeah, they, whatever they play in a, in a bowl game on December 12th because they <laughs> suck. But if they beat Ohio state, like that's oh, fine. Yeah. It was a successful year. So absolutely. There, there, there is a little bit of an equivalent there, but yeah. regardless, like I'm, I'm with you. I think that it is worse to tie without question. I think
0: so. I think so. Alright, another successful draft that we did no research on, which is That's right. really which is really good. So uh alright, it's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing
1: to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael. No Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast, whoa. It's one last, whoa, meaningless thing.
0: Why don't you go first?
1: My uh, One Last Meaningless Thing is not meaningless. I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm absolutely Why, breaking form. That right
0: up front. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, I received in the mail... The book that I am the most excited to read, oh, which is friend of the podcast, Howard Bryant, has written a definitive biography of Ricky Henderson.
0: Ricky Henderson. I yeah. got one as well.
1: Yes. Um, the uncorrected proof arrived in the mail. It looks amazing. I've read the first probably 50 pages and it's wonderful. I don't, um, let me see if it will be out. Where is it going to be out? Do you know what offhand when it's going to be in, out?
0: I think it's out in like.
1: june 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 2022 um pre-order this thing now uh one of the most fascinating and and bizarre and wonderful athletes this country has ever been graced with um and 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 the perfect writer for the material i'm extremely excited about it i just want to hype it for our buddy uh howard bryant um so june 2022 it's just called ricky which is absolutely what it should be called (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know I'm, I I got to tell you and, and and I mean no disrespect to Howard. Uh I'm a little bummed about it coming out uh because uh he, it's going to be amazing and wonderful and it's probably going to win the Casey Award for the best baseball book at which point that will be his third Casey Award. Wow. And I've only won two Casey Awards. Uh, so so yeah, so I'm a little bummed that uh, You Howard should
1: start has- you should start a like a slanderous campaign now. <laughs> Just to, to stop I, I, him from winning like, his game. Like,
0: oh, Ricky Henry. Like, like that's th- and that's the other thing is like his other books, which are both wonderful. He wrote about race in Boston, which uh called Out, which you know about, which was an absolutely groundbreaking and incredible book. And he wrote about Henry Aaron. But it's like, I gotta tell you, writing about Ricky Anderson is like cheating. It's like <laughs> it's like you know what it's putting the ball on the tee for a guy as good as, as Howard. Uh, to 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 put a ball on a tee like that and let him write about Ricky Anderson, uh, boo. Just I'm just gonna say boo. So cheating. I'm gonna start. Yeah, cheating. It's cheating. I'm gonna I'm gonna start the slander campaign.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, what you should what your angle should be that it's cheating. Yeah. You know <laughs> your like, angle yeah. should be like doesn't it's cheating. Like, do you should fair. have to
0: write about something. They were, write an 860 page baseball book. How about that? Try, that's right. Try 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 making that work. Or there, write a Howard. write a
1: book about like you know. Craig Council or something. There you go. And exactly. then try to try to win your little Casey Award. And see see what happens say, then.
0: Try to try to win run writing about the 2020 2022 Colorado Rockies.
1: That's right. Let's CJ Crone. Let's see Let's, it. Let's see how CJ see <laughs> if CJ Crone gets you a, a Casey Award.
0: <laughs> All right. I had the weirdest feeling. My one last meeting thing is will will be more than meaningless enough for both of us. Um so I was driving in my car, so we the way our house is set up, we've got a uh a driveway on the side of our house and the garage is on the side of our house. So in order to get into the garage, you actually have to make a pretty sharp left turn after you pull into the driveway. And it's a little bit tricky. It's not super tricky, but a little tricky. You got to make a, uh, a bit of a left turn. You got to avoid the wall in order to get in. And and it's a two car garage. So there's there's my wife's car uh, is a big, big honker of a car. So I got to sort of work my way around it. So I have we have lived in this house now for almost 10 years, 11 years, almost 11 years, and I have parked my car in 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 that garage I'd say I don't know 2000 times, 3000 times, something sure. like that. And I've done it successfully every single time. And it makes me think that I could have been an astronaut. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all I'm saying is I used to look at that moment in Apollo 13. Like there's a moment where he has to pull the lemon, like they have to like connect it, and it's very suspenseful. It's like you're, you know, however many thousands and thousands of miles in space, and you've gotta, you've gotta somehow uh, you know, pull it, you know, put that little thing in that tiny hole to pull in the it's, it's, it looks insane. And I've always thought like, that's the most insane thing I've ever seen, but figuring out that I have never once hit my car on that, making that left turn has made me less impressed with that and made me think I could
1: do it I... if
0: enough, with enough practice. I think I could do it.
1: I feel, uh, I, I think I get this. I can imagine this and I think I get it. And I, I, I. there are, um, I have a, uh, there's a, a parking space at work that I've had to pull in sometimes. It's very narrow between like a, it's basically between a, a car to the, uh, to the right of you and then a giant, you know, steel girder on the left. Right. And it's a very right. narrow thing. And both pulling in and pulling out, it's a, it's, you know, there's, you probably have four inches of, of room yeah. And yeah. I every time I do it successfully, I feel a little bit of a like I'm a little special, like I'm all kind <laughs> of in a like I've got some skills, you know. You've and got that some and skills. that's and that's not that. This that sounds less tricky than what you're describing. So yeah, I, I yeah. can identify with this.
0: I, I think that's real. Plus, aren't you? Isn't it one of your theories that if you practiced enough, you could basically do not not like physically incredible things, but like if you practice enough, don't you believe that you could like do brain surgery
1: yeah I, I think if you like with the appropriate amount of training right. for for over however many years yes like i i think i have i have the um the the patience and the concentration that are prerequisites for certain very tricky skills i have none of the acumen because i i right. don't i don't know how to do it but i believe <laughs> that there, there are certain things about my i don't get super nervous I don't, I'm not shaky. I'm not, I don't have like, I don't have big adrenaline spikes. I'm not nervous about public speaking. And I understand also that that doesn't mean I could be a brain surgeon. I'm just saying that (laughs) there are certain things about my particular constitution that are the things that I think would be necessary in order to become a brain surgeon. Yes. To the point where I could have followed that path, I think with some success, with the right amount of study and everything else.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's really funny like, when I'm on a plane, my my main thought on the plane is, thank God I'm not flying the plane, right? Like, somebody right. else is flying the plane, and I'm very happy. Like, there are people on the plane who kind of, in their own minds, are thinking, oh, I could do better than this guy. Like, no. I, like, you know, I would never have that thought, ever, in a million years. But, that said, I, I could learn to fly a plane. Like, I, I, think, <laughs> I don't know how many years it would take. But I could do it. I think I just think there. Maybe that's why we love sports so much. Because no matter how many years we practiced, we could never do what these athletes do. Right. Ever. Because we're right. not physically capable of it. Right. But but many of these other things, like if that was my entire, like if I was like twenty four hours a day focused entirely on that, I I could I could do heart surgery.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I, well, I, I, I think so. I'm not interested in. I've never been interested in trying to do it. No, but, I,
0: I never would.
1: Yeah. I mean I and I know this sound, this probably sounds hilarious to actual heart surgeons or brain surgeons, but <laughs> I hope they're
0: I hope they're mocking us just completely. But what
1: we're talking about isn't the actual skill. Not we're not suggesting that right now we could be heart surgeons. We're saying <laughs> right. that we're saying that we could if we had gone into that field that we could have done that as opposed to I played baseball. I had to stop when I was a, right. a, a, ju- a junior in high school because I w- wasn't good enough anymore and would never be good enough to really play in any meaningful right. way. There's a difference in those two things.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and by the way, let me make it very clear to all the heart surgeons that are listening to this. I'm not suggesting I'd be a good heart surgeon. I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not in any I'm just saying that I could do it. Like there are like I and I really believe I could do it. The Like, if I was in space and had to do the Apollo 13 thing, like, it's very possible that it would be it would take me 2000 times to try it. But eventually I would do it. Like, eventually I'd get it done, I, I believe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually changing this now. I think that right now I could be a heart surgeon. <laughs> I think I could nail it.
0: <laughs> really ought to try. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Thinking, like, what's so hard about it?
1: If anyone out there needs it. a quintuple bypass, <laughs> just come to my house. I'll take care of you.
0: By the way, do you think it's easy? This is this is sort of something that's uh, it's it's another meaningless thing that I'm just going to waste right now. Do you think they make tracheotomies look a little too easy in those uh, like? Oh shows? my god,
1: it's the funniest thing ever. All you need is a ballpoint pen, you ballpoint snap it in half, an and you cut it, make a cut, and you stick the thing in, and the guy's fine. It's hilarious. It's one of the funniest. It's one of it's the funniest like TV medical tropes. TV tropes. It's out so there. awesome.
0: Yeah. It's such an awesome television. We need. That's what we need to draft. We need to draft television tropes.
1: <laughs> oh man, because that's a
0: that's a really good one. But yeah, I love the tracheotomy. <laughs> If the fact that I know what a tracheotomy is is only entirely based on the fact that anybody can yeah. know
1: it. Yeah, the, know? the only reason you know it is because you've seen people do it with ballpoint pens <laughs> on TV shows. <laughs> well,
0: there you go. That was meaningless enough for anyone. So as always, Mike, thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.